0: Hey guys, welcome to the Men's Global Live Stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots one in Joshua chapter one and the other in John 14. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in a series called The City. And we're doing this series because every guy that's on this live stream right now either he lives in a city, he's in the suburb of a city and drives into a city, maybe he's in the third circle perimeter of a city, or maybe you're even rural in the rural part, maybe you're fourth circle guy, but we're all in the regional area of a city. More than that, we all live in a community or a town. And wherever you have concentrations of people, let's take cities for example, they're hubs, they're anchors, right? For logistics, economics, services, there's different kinds of people there, right? And when you talk about large cities that are the hubs of the suburbs and the rural areas in the region, right, they're centers of power, centers of talent, centers of architecture, centers of urban planning. But listen, and this is why we're doing this series. They're also centers of restlessness and spiritual seeking. And there is a war going on for control of the city nearest you. And that's really the number one reason why we're doing this series, is because there are two kingdoms, and those kingdoms are in conflict, there are two agendas. And where there's density of population, you have power. All of us need to be concerned with our city that we live near, or even our community or our town because those are microcosms of larger cities. So, cities are centers of spiritual warfare. And you know what Jesus said to his guys? He says, you know, that my kingdom, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom, and the gates of hell cannot prevail. Here's the problem. If his guys aren't driving God's agenda with the keys, opening doors of evil agenda and displacing that evil, guess who wins? So that's why we're doing this. Whether you live in the heart of a large metro urban city, whether you live in the suburbs, whether you live in a small town or a smaller city, all of us have a place. That place matters, and your city matters, okay? The Bible also says, just by way of foundation, right, that man and woman, we started in a garden, but everybody that came after that and God's plan of redemption after the fall. You know where that all culminates? It culminates in a city, right? The city of God, right? So that is God's picture and fulfillment of redemption is that we all land together in a city that is diverse. There's every tribe, there's every nation. It's bustling. It's the center of God's glory. And we're all working and living in this diverse and this unified place where God is, right? So cities are experiencing spiritual warfare. That's why we should be concerned. A, your future and my future, we end up in a city. That's why Abraham in Hebrews 11 says he's seeking the city whose maker and builder is God. So we're God's men, and guess what we're seeking? That's right, we're seeking that same city. We're all gonna get up there. Now here's here's a third reason after spiritual warfare, and that's where we end up. It's, you know where the birth of the church happened and how it happened? It happened in a city. It happened in the city of Jerusalem, and the miracle that God gave that city, listen to this, is a movement of spirit-empowered men. Acts 2.14 says, and Peter stood with the 11 and says, brothers of Israel, men of Jerusalem. Wow. And then they went on, right? To be filled, transformed, and overflow the Holy Spirit in that city, transforming that city and birthing the church in a movement that we're a part of now. So the ripple effect of spirit-empowered men right, filled, transformed, overflowing the Holy Spirit, in a city, uh, we're still in the blast zone of those 12 guys standing up and those guys living out of the power of the Spirit of Christ in their city. So that's why we have to teach this series called The City. Now, we're in part five. Uh, If you're just joining us, my encouragement, my strong encouragement, is just to go back and watch parts one through four because there is a sequence and a continuity, but we're continuing to explore right now the specific ways that spirit-empowered men are called in Scripture to come together, right, and to impact the city that they live in individually, okay, as we go out into our individual spaces and places, but also as a collective. And just to get you thinking in the right direction for, for, for part five, I just want to tell you a little story about me and a, a boss that I had at, at church. I was uh, in my uh, early 30s, and uh, I'm doing men's ministry on a volunteer basis, maybe 20 hours a week. And me and one of the pastors in the lead team, we would, we would go to lunch you know, bi-weekly and just connect, and I would just, man, I would just glean all this wisdom, and so we got into this rhythm of going, and it was just a good fellowship. Well, one time we go to lunch, uh, his name is Lance. Lance, we stop, of course, I would pick him up in my truck, and then we'd go somewhere, eat, and then I'd take him back and drop him off at the um, at the building, and uh, I'm just about to say, all right, dude, you know, thanks for lunch, you know, it was great, and he goes, Kenny, um, I don't know if anybody has uh, told you this lately, but I just want you to know how much we appreciate all you are doing with the men of the church. I know how much energy and effort you're putting in. So, dude, thank you for all that you do. Okay? Amazing encouragement. My response, I'm like holding the steering wheel, and all of a sudden, all these feelings start welling up inside of me, right, I can feel my breath get shorter, and I can, I can actually feel like tears, man, I'm like, no, no, I can't, and he's watching this, I'm like, I'm not responding, I'm kind of, I'm trying to hold it together, and then like tears start dropping literally on my jeans, and it's like, What is going on with you? And so I have to say something. So I just kind of force myself to take a big, deep breath. I go, and I just said, Lance, I'm sorry. I don't know where this reaction uh, is exactly coming from, but I have a pretty good uh, idea. You know, lately, um, I've been questioning whether I'm cut out, For this. I've been doing this for a while here, and I no one's ever said to me at your level what you just said. And so I guess I was starved for a little bit of encouragement. Wow. So here I am, my passion is ebbing, my endurance is waning. I'm kind of getting confused and doubtful, maybe a little disappointed in myself or or just discouraged. What does God do for me? He sends me a spirit-empowered man as his messenger for the purpose, listen, of steadying and strengthening my feet in the midst of my own doubts about myself and my future. Now think about this. That was probably 20 years ago plus. The big wheels of what you see now with every man, you know, there's, there's 14,000 guys who are listening to this live stream. There's hundreds of thousands that listen every month after we listen to it live. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands that listen to uh, what, what, these, what we talk about in these sessions from God's word over the year. There's millions in the course of a year. Everything that you see now, Right, 24 books, blah, blah, blah. The big wheels of that turned on the small axle of that moment in my truck with my buddy Lance who dropped an encouragement bomb strategically, intentionally, personally, on me. And man, that flipped my perspective on myself, what I'm doing. Somebody sees me, somebody appreciates me, somebody recognizes what I'm doing. Now, having said that, I know God sees me. I know God recognizes what I do. And I know that I'm not gonna report to Lance when I died or you or anybody else. I know that my reward comes from the Lord. But God knew that I needed a little skin-on-skin encouragement. And the most powerful and authentic encouragement happens in our lives, person to person. I I would venture to guess too, it comes unsolicited and as a surprise. At the right time, it addresses the person, listen, internally rather than externally. I mean, so often we, we think of people We think of positive things that we like uh, about them, right? But then it stops there. We, We don't actually act on what we think or the positive thoughts that we have. You know what the Holy Spirit says? Speak it, right? Go to them and tell them, show up in their space of life, not just to do an activity, but actually to encourage, right? And when you do that, like Lance did, The root meaning and the force of the word encourage comes to life, which means to infuse or put courage into someone, right? And so as we dive into part five, just know this at the start. Everyone you know is running a deficit of encouragement. So let's talk about where we're headed. Let's see God's heart and what God models when it comes to discouragement and encouragement. Let's look at Jesus, his words to a group of men who would experience discouragement. And then we're gonna look at what the Bible says authentic encouragement is, why? So we can agent that encouragement. And then we're gonna see how Spirit-empowered men encouraged a city. So if you have your downloaded notes, right, I want you to look at the top. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 1, that, that chapter where I, I said to hold a spot. And here's the context. We're, we're talking about a disappointed and discouraged man who could potentially get very depressed. Isn't that how it goes? Maybe it starts off with a little disappointment, then a prolonged time, then it, then it starts turning into discouragement, and then a little bit more time. Now we're talking... It could turn into something else. Depression, right? And then destruction, right? Which is how the dominoes fall. It just might start off as a little thing and then over time and over time and over time. So we're seeing a guy who's disappointed and discouraged at this point, all right? And he could get depressed, but God won't let him. Joshua chapter one, we're gonna read verses one through nine. Just kind of listen in for, for what God says to this man who is disappointed and discouraged. After the death of Moses, the servant of God, God spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant. Quote, Moses, my servant, is dead. Get going. Cross this Jordan River, you and all the people. Cross to the country I'm giving to the people of Israel. I'm giving you every square inch of land you set your foot on, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, east to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the Hittite country. And then go west to the great great sea. It's all yours. All your life, no one will be able to hold out against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Strength, courage, you are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute, let this book of the revelation be out of mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night. Make sure you practice everything written in it. Then, You'll get where you're going, then you'll succeed. Have I not commanded you? Strength, courage, don't be timid, don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. All right, so there it is, right there, the police song there in Joshua 1, nine. But what we want to see is Joshua's process of life, that he's going through, is the same process of life on a broken planet that we go through. So let's make four simple observations, all right? The first observation is this. What happens in life that we can't control? That's what we see. We see what happens in life that we can't control. Moses' death was unplanned. It was unscripted. It was unwelcome, and it was un timely. So think about it. This is the guy who went to Pharaoh. This is the guy who, who God spoke to uh, in the mountains. This is the guy on Mount Sinai. This is the guy who brought down the Ten Commandments. This is the guy who talked to the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh, and told him, let God's people go. This is the guy who agented the plagues on Egypt. I mean, big footprint. Now he's gone big hole, right, in Joshua's life and a big transition. So can you blame the guy for maybe being a little disillusioned or doubtful or disappointed or or discouraged? So that happened to him, and he couldn't control it. Can I just say something? That's happening in thousands of lives of men that are listening with us right now. There's stuff that was unplanned it was unscripted, it's unwelcomed, it's untimely, it's messing with your expectations of how you thought things would go. So that's what we see happening with this man of God. Secondly, after what happens in life that we can't control, we see how it challenges us emotionally. You can see through the language that God uses that that Joshua is challenged because of the circumstance emotionally. He's paralyzed. Why else would you say, hey, get going? Right? You're look, you say that to somebody who's stopped. He's just not stopped and camped with a million people behind him. He's stopped in, in here and in here. Right? That's why you say, hey, there's a plan. Get going. Right? But then other languages used in this passage that suggest that he's questioning himself as the leader that God has appointed at this time and for this hour. And so there's this assurance to address the, the questioning, the self questioning, am I the guy? God says, you're gonna lead this people. Will he be with me? There's a question that we don't see him say, but you know that he's asking. I mean, that's Moses, of course God was with him, but will he be with me? And God saying, I'm with you, right? God starts to slay the doubt by just speaking encouragement to him, speaking into his paralysis, speaking into his war of self-perception, speaking into his spiritual dilemma, which is, I don't know if God will be with me, right? So there's what happens in life that we can't control. There's how it challenges us emotionally. Third, then there's what God says about what's happening, okay? So we're challenged. Right? Emotionally, stuff's happening to us out of control. And then God's like, I got it, okay? I'm not surprised that Moses died. I'm not surprised that you were his assistant. I'm not surprised that that, that you're gonna take over. I'm not, I got a plan. Um, you need to get going. Uh, I'm gonna be with you. Here's the future. Let me show you just a little glimpse, crystal ball. You know, this is the boundaries of the land that when you step foot there, uh, you're going to take it all, right? So there is this leading call that God affirms, right? God says, right? There's this spiritual integrity that Joshua has to model in the process. Like, hey, got to be in the word. You got to do the word. Be in it. Do it, right? Then you're going to be successful. So God starts filling in the blanks sort of in his head, and he starts vaporizing um, the down. You're going to succeed. I got a plan. Here it is. And based on what I've just said about what's happening and right now, all right, be strong. Be courageous. Don't be timid. Listen, don't be discouraged. Just God fighting for this man against fear and discouragement and disappointment. So there's what happens in life we can't control, there's how that challenges us emotionally. Then there's God speaking into what's happening and he's saying, I'm over it and I'm in it and I'm driving it forward, you're okay, don't be timid, don't be discouraged. Then lastly, it's how it reframes our thinking and action. So God intervenes with a disillusioned, disappointed and discouraged guy just drops the presence bomb, I'm here, I'm with you, the future bomb, this is what's gonna happen, the encouragement bomb, right, of you're gonna be successful if you model spiritual integrity. Just know the book, do what it says, you're gonna be prosperous, right? Now, that reframes. His frame of mind before this interaction is one way. God reframes his thinking and his actions, we go on to the next verse, right? Which is verse 10, Joshua chapter one, verse 10. It says, then Joshua gave orders to the people's leaders, go through the camp and give this order to the people, pack your bags. In three days, you will cross this Jordan River to enter and take the land your God is giving you to possess. Hello. What a turnaround of an inner world he was living in, right? You don't say be strong and courageous to somebody who's already strong and courageous. You you say be strong and courageous to someone who's living in fear and is discouraged. But now look at him, verses 10 and 11. Look at the encouragement and perspective God gives. It reframes his thinking and his actions. That's God's model. God has a heart for the disappointed, and the discouraged, and he, he intervenes and he fights for the discouraged. Now, that's Old Testament. Let's fast forward to Jesus, who is the heart of God expressed, and the mind of God expressed. Let's go to Jesus and his guys, right? And the headline for Jesus and his guys, as he is headed toward the cross, and it's gonna appear like defeat because his guys and a lot of other people had expectations on him. They misunderstood the purpose of his first coming, right? But the headline for Jesus and with his men is this, disappointment is inevitable, but discouragement is optional. And we hear this in in the last chapters of John, John 14, 15, 16, I just picked two. John 14, one, so here's Jesus, knowing what's gonna happen, he's gonna go to the cross, they're gonna be disappointed, he says this, do not, do not let your heart be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. So he's he's sort of hedging the discouragement that he knows is gonna come, and he's saying to them in advance, he's planting seeds, okay, don't let your heart be troubled, all right, you're gonna feel discouraged or disappointed, but don't let your heart be troubled as a condition. Believe in God. Don't focus on how troubled things are. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then a little later in John 16, he says this. Again, hedging, preempting, preparing. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Again, Jesus is helping his men meet the challenges of disappointment and discouragement. He knows they're going to face. Okay? And what we can glean are three simple truths by by what he says to his guys, who he knows are going to experience disappointment and discouragement. Number one, that discouragement will be a battle within yourself. When Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled, where is the heart located? Inside or outside of the body? Right, inside, right? So he's talking about their insides. And he knows that whoever wins the battle, whatever wins the battle of their insides is gonna make their way, make its way outside. So in the Bible, whenever you see the word heart, don't let your heart be troubled, just think, Insides. Well, what are your insides? Your thoughts, your affections, your longings, your hopes, your expectations, right? And life messes with your insides. Amen. So Jesus knows that their insides is going are going to get messed with when he goes to the cross and he dies. And he's saying to them, Don't let your heart, your insides, be troubled. Just keep believing. Believing in God, right? Believe also in me. Secondly, discouragement is a battle of belief right So he says, hey, don't let your insides be controlled by trouble and discouragement and you're gonna have to make a choice of belief you're gonna in this circumstance you're gonna believe your disappointment in the devil or you're gonna believe me and the truth And by the way, there's no real gray area when life is imposing itself on you and you're in the midst of the battle, um, there's voices, amen? There's in inside that you, you, you have thoughts, you have suggestions as to the why, the how, the what, and you're processing this. And your filter can be your belief in God, or, and, and he's God, big G, or you can focus on your circumstances and your feelings and the devil lying into your circumstances. You see, negative circumstances are a real war. Jesus knows this. That's why he's offering encouragement. But Satan is just as interested when unplanned, unwelcomed, and untimely things happen to you that you don't control. Because he knows you're going you're gonna to process it, and he wants to get in on your process. And he wants to suggest stuff like, well, game up, well, God's abandoned you. Well, you know, all that hope you have, all those prayers. Well, you can just chuck those into the pool, right? So it's a battle of uh, belief. So we have a choice. We can We can believe our circumstances and the lies and liar, or we can believe in Jesus and his truth that he's going to work this, for his glory and for his good. And that man, that takes humility and faith to believe that. Third, discouragement is a battle of the mind. I like where Jesus, uh, you know, mentions the cognitive process. He says, I have told you these things, right? So I thought things and I spoke things, and then your ear canal listened and received things and you processed up here and you took in these things. He says, I've told you these things so that in me, right? So he replaces discouragement and disappointment with himself and anxiety that comes with that. He says, so that in me, you may have peace, okay? Trouble's gonna happen. Your life's gonna get bowling ball, all right? So just expect it. Expect that to happen. Um, Just kind of pressing the pause button. See, that's one of the big issues in today's culture is expectations. We expect, you know, life to be, you know, this linear, non-disrupted, you know, cycle, which life doesn't go like that. It's not one, continue- and we all know that, but somehow our, our culture, media, social media, you know, we look at at the outside of people's lives and the outer appearances of things, and, you know, seems like the world's just kind of like on one this one continuous beach and having a corona and 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 driving great cars and doing great things and look at social media look at how great they're like you know it's going etc but life really it's not like this it's it goes and it's right in here where disappointment and discouragement and possible depression can't slip in without having a perspective okay that's that's what happened with, with Joshua. God gave him his perspective. It's like, hey, I'm over that. I can see the, the beginning, the middle now, and I can see the future. Hey, listen, I'm gonna make you some promises. You should lay hold of them. Uh, I got the big picture, but it's a battle of the mind, okay? Remembering, like Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Like, remember what I'm saying and uh, meditate on it, internalize it. So. This tells us a little, you know, Jesus, by what he says, tells us, you know, that life is a battle and the discouragement that we battle in the middle of the battle, (laughs) the battles, right? It's important that we win those and that we not hold on to discouragement, that we fight discouragement, right? Now, there is God's heart. There's some examples of God intervening in a person's life. There's an example of Jesus just kind of preempting and saying, hey, listen, this is, this is an unredeemed, broken world and you're gonna have this, but hey, don't get too discouraged, right? Believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now, how does that relate to me, you, my city, your city, right? Here's how it relates. Everyone, everywhere, Rural, regional, burb, or metro urban city. Everyone's battling, okay? Let the paint dry on that. Everyone you see, everyone in every car, every taxi driver, every grocery store clerk, every barista, every neighbor, every every coach of your kid's team, all the parents, every couple you know, every pastor, every pastor you know. We're all battling, all right? This is for these words and, and this process and this study. It's, it's for everybody. So if that's the context that we live in, that, that it's a battle within ourselves, it's a battle of the belief, it's a battle of lying, things happen that we can't control, but God's with us, and then there's a war to try to mute that reality and mute his plans and purposes In the midst of feeling some discouragement, then that means that there's fertile soil for an individual spirit-empowered man and a collective community in a city, a town, on a block to have some powerful impact, right, through raising the spirits of other people. Being a spirit strengthener Right. Being an encourager, right? So we've been in this, this progression through the city where we're looking at these guys who are in a city, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they start releasing captives, they start relieving pain, they start reducing the loads that people carry. Now we see them raising the spirits, being encouragers of other people. So let's define it, it's on your downloaded notes. Encourage, it's a verb, okay? To make more determined, hopeful or confident, to spur on, to inspire, with courage, spirit, or hope. Man, powerful word, again, N-E-N, courage, to put in hope, confidence, right? Courage, to end courage. Can you imagine, can you imagine? Listen, if a city that you lived in, okay, whether you live in a metro urban city with millions, or maybe a medium-sized city of hundreds of thousands, or maybe a smaller city with thousands or tens of thousands, or maybe you live in, can you imagine if we raise the encouragement level 30% through a spirit-empowered movement of men? Can you imagine what would happen to drug use, suicide rates, marriages, I mean, you name it every dimension every sector of your city would get healthier okay so what we're going to look at now is just here's how encouragement works how does true encouragement work authentic encouragement versus synthetic all right let's look at true encouragement number one is personal and intentional right true encouragement is personal and intentional and we see god himself Um, modeling that in the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, the Godhead, right? The Trinity. And I want to read this passage from Mark 3, verses 16 and 17. It's Jesus's baptism. That's the context, and then we'll unpack it. As soon as Jesus, the Son, was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God, descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven, the Father, said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased." What do we see going on there? What does encouragement look like? Well, it's personal and intentional. All right, let's unpack that. There's a moment that's taken advantage of. As soon as Jesus was baptized, that's a moment, okay? When Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're like, okay, this is a moment of encouragement. We're deciding, right? This is timely, right? So you see a strong moment, and then you see a strong identification and connection, right? This is my son. Okay, right? There's, it's personal, right? He gets He gets a strong identification, a strong name, you know? um strong intimacy, right? Okay? So strong moment, strong identification, and then third thing we see of encouragement is a strong love. Right? Whom I love. Man, I love. I love you. I just love you. Right? So there's a moment, there's a connection, there's a spirit between, there's intimacy, and then there's words. It says this is my son whom I love. And then there's a strong blessing. Right? With him, I am well pleased, right? So strong moment, strong identification, strong love, strong blessing. You know what that's what encouragement does. Encouragement is, is is a moment in time that we get to choose to take advantage of. It's a moment to identify someone with you in a positive way. It's a moment to speak love and appreciation. It's a moment uh, to bless you know. God's just like, he blesses me. That kid right there, man, you, he blesses me. And you know, this is early on before Jesus had preached one message, before Jesus had healed one person, multiplied one loaf and fish into any other food. There's no performance here. This is acceptance without performance. This is encouragement without performance. I want you to see that. It is grace, it is encouragement, right? That enters in and and puts this infusion of courage into him at just about the right time. Why? Because after this moment, Jesus is gonna start interacting with lots and lots of people. There's gonna be a lot of blowback and pushback and rejection. There's gonna be a lot of blessing and a lot of battle. He needs this encouragement. You see how well-timed this is? And that's what God shows us that True encouragement is personal and intentional, right? And man, I got to tell you, it's time that we encourage each other. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but there has just now been the largest spike in human history in male suicide, right? I mean, men are four times more likely to kill themselves than women, 80%. Of all suicides, are men, every 11 minutes that we've been together today, a man has killed himself. That's 125 a day. Did you know that suicide among men is the second leading cause of death for men under 50? Think about that of all the things. You think that encouragement is in low supply? You better believe it. And that's why we have to encourage one another. That's why we have to pick our pick our moments, and we have to come in, and we gotta identify, and we need to love and bless, you know, our brothers who are battling in their minds, battling uh, voices that are telling them one thing that go against life and God and people. Right? It's so important because when the supply lines of encouragement are thin. And you see this when you turn on the news. It's not just men, it's everybody. Disappointment, loneliness, discouragement, more loneliness, depression, intense loneliness. Then the destruction happens. Self-destruction or destroying others. I mean, look at all the mass shootings that are going on right now. And you look at male suicide, mass shootings, fentanyl overdoses. I mean, you see people giving in, listen, to the discouragement and the discourager who's a liar and he's a murderer. That's the end game. So because we know this is going on because we're loved, accepted, we have our future. No matter what's going on in our life, we can get outside our own head and be personal and intentional and start delivering some much needed encouragement in this desert, right, of emotions to our brothers and to our sisters and to our wives and to our families and our neighbors and our friends and in our cities. It's time. Now, let's look at the second thing about true encouragement. True encouragement is also timely and activates new faith. I love how the timing of encouragement is so important. Remember my story about Lance and the timing of his encouragement. Now, he was just being Lance, but he was Lance was a very encouraging person. And that big wheel of what we see now and everything that happened with Everyman Ministries, that little axle of encouragement turned and the timing of that, turned the big wheel of what would happen, you know, five, 10, 20 years going forward. And that's the thing about encouragement, it's timely and it activates faith. Listen to what it says in Revelation and listen to the audience where where they're at. It says, wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and first believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. And so you see in this passage that the encouragement is timed because there's little strength remaining. Wake up, right? Strengthen what little remains. Just know, again, we're in an encouragement deficit. Everybody that you know, like no one will ever go, wow, I didn't need that. I'm full of it. (laughs) Right? Um, And the timing is amazing because he says, strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead. All right. So here's a collection of believers and their faith is almost dead. And so in comes the voice of the Lord and... It's like, okay, this is, a little, this is a little truth and a little grace, right? I'm, I, I got to come in and I got to say, hey, you got to repent. You got to change your mind. You got to turn back to me. I'm encouraging you to go against where you're going to come back to God. That's encouragement too, right? Is a strong word, a truthful word, a loving word, grace and truth. Hey, I realize that this is a really discouraging time for you, but you need to turn back to God because that road leads to hell. That road leads to destruction. Everybody's seen that film before. You've seen it. I've seen it. We know. And so I love you. I realize you're hurting, but I'm I'm going to strengthen your faith. I know there's a seed of faith in there. And maybe I'm talking to somebody right now. I think I am. There's an ember. There's a seed of faith in there, but it's it's about to blow out. But God wants you to know that this is not fatal, this is not final, that he's with you, that he has a plan for you, he has a future you can't see, but it's there and it's good. He has a good plan, he has people, resources, what you need, but you need to repent, you need to change your mind about this whole thing. You need to reject lies, you need to reject the liar who's saying God's abandoned you, God doesn't care about you, God doesn't see you, you have to stop seeking worldly solutions for how you feel, okay? I don't know how that's going on, but I know I'm talking to a specific group of guys that are hearing my voice right now. I don't know how you're medicating your sadness. I don't know if you're using porn or you're using alcohol or you're using weed or you're using meth. I don't know, but stop that. God loves you, that's the truth. God's with you, that's the truth. God has a plan for you, that's the truth, okay? And right now, what the Holy Spirit is doing right now in you, if you'll receive it, he's activating new faith. And you're going to say, yes, God, I repent, and God, I accept your new plan. I believe. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I believe. And then you're going to get yourself back to God in every way you know how. Some of you right now need to call a buddy you know is a Christian, and you need to tell him. Some of you need to get back to your men's group. Some of you need to get back to church on Sunday morning, and need to show up. Some of you need to get back to God's word. All right? Go find this book. Okay? Go read The gospel of John and get back to the word of God. But you see how God is speaking right now and he was speaking then and he's always speaking, but he wants to use us in a timely way to strengthen people who are just hanging on by a thread and you won't know it until you step into it. So True encouragement is personal and intentional. True encouragement is timely and activates new faith. Third, true encouragement disciplines the will to use words to build up others. True encouragement disciplines, that means there's a yes and a no involved, to use words to build up others. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 4, 29. It says this, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. Wow. You know, gifts are given, and then gifts are received, and gifts are opened, and gifts are experienced. You know the words that you give are a gift. And I love how there's discipline required for our mouths, and there is a connection to building up, right? Building up others, giving gifts to others. The gift of encouragement, you see, because there are some of us and we like words, we use words, maybe you're even good with words, but not all words are equal when someone is discouraged, especially if we're building ourselves up versus building others up, or we're flexing how much we know to someone who is discouraged, That doesn't help them, right? Or we're kind of bullying or bashing another person trying to, you know, coerce them, you know, into change, okay? Um, Words are important. Words matter. Your tongue can bring life or death, the Bible says. Question, does your tongue bring life to those around you? Would they say, oh, he's an encouraging, such an encouraging guy, all right? Let's all put ourselves through that grinder. Okay. Well, no matter where you are right now, from this point forward, you're going to be a true encourager who through the power of the Holy Spirit is going to use his words, right? To build up and give gifts to other people. And you're going to operate on the assumption that everyone around you needs that encouragement. You're going to see and spot things that you can encourage people, appreciate in people. Let me just, you know, how do I do that, Kenny? hey, I noticed something about you that I think is so strong in you and so cool. Can you say that to someone? Like, can you pay attention long enough to notice kind of their strength? You know what? I noticed something about you that is so strong and so cool. Can I share it? It's this, right? Or got a minute? Hey, yeah, I just need one minute. Hey, can I tell you something that I just, I admire about you. I appreciate about you. It's, and fill in the blank. Or maybe it's uh. Hey, I saw your post. And what I appreciate about you is that you are so grateful for your life, so uh, concerned about other people, so willing to share God's word. Whatever it is, right? Or maybe it's somebody you're in relationship with and they don't hear enough encouragement. And fellas, your your wife needs your encouragement like like we need oxygen to breathe. Okay? if you're not an encouraging dude, here it is. I don't tell you this enough, but you need to know, fill in the blank. I love the way you take care of our family. I love the way you take care of me. I love the way you take care of us. I love the way and appreciate the way that you take care of this house. I love the way that you treat other people. I love the way you serve the Lord. I love the way you're kind. Figure it out, man of God. Your wife needs encouragement, right? Or maybe just after an interaction. There are some of you, you've had an interaction with somebody and you walked away and it was like, man, I love being around that person, but you didn't say anything. I just, you know, shoot him a text. Hey, after we talked uh, the other day, I I just want to thank you for being. All right, so I'm just giving you examples, but true encouragement disciplines the will to use words to build up another people. So much of what is said is so It's so self-serving these days, and it's even hiding as humility. You know, I feel so, you know, blessed that I got this reward from my, you know, like, it's so self-congratulating. You know what we don't need? More men who are on the team of soft ego consolation, okay? Stop it. Okay, where it's that, it's that sort of indirect self-flagellation and self You're accepted, you're fully loved if you're a man of God. You need to drill into that. Get free of self-congratulation and self-consolation and and indirectly building up yourself. Right? If you're loved by God, drill down that. Get fail-safe. Live secure in God's acceptance, the second book in the Dangerous Good trilogy. But we need to discipline ourselves to our will and to use words to build others up. All right, fourth aspect of true encouragement. True encouragement enters the fight for the mind. I love the words of Hebrews three twelve and 13. This is what it says. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, If you don't believe that there's a battle for encouragement and discouragement, Christ and Satan, um, you know, flaming missiles of the devil that are designed to beat down and disappoint and discourage versus lift up and raise up with the word of God, this settles it. And what's our part, right? So you see the battle context. It's a battle sin unbelieving heart turning away right from God versus righteousness believing in God and closeness right drawing near uh to God and I love the command hey see to it you ever had anybody say that hey see to it that you watch that person see to it. see to it that this gets done man God is emphatic right here we're to see to it that we unload encouragement bombs just Kind of think of that big B-52 bomber, right? And you're flying over someone and then the, the the payload doors open up and then it's just raining down, right? Bombs, but they're filled with encouragement. They explode in the heart and they start creating collateral joy and collateral peace and collateral acceptance. It starts softening the soil of their heart and through your encouragement instead of getting hard toward God the soil gets softened and they start feeling soft toward God and believing versus what staying hard and disappointed and discouraged and depressed and cynical see to it so you're you're getting a load here so true encouragement personal intentional True encouragement timely and activates new faith. True encouragement disciplines the will to use words to build each other up. True encouragement enters the fight in a person's mind and kind of pushes them over the top toward God and his purposes, right? And toward joy and softness toward God and away from sin and cynicism and deceit. You see, that's that. those are the... The results of winning the battle of discouragement versus encouragement and he wants to use us now we go to the bible and we see a community of guys who actually are going to go to another country to encourage check this out they win the city of jerusalem there is a full-on flammable revival going on through spirit empowered men who are filled with the holy spirit releasing captives reducing loads relieving pain raising people's spirits through their transformation and decisions and words. But now, listen to this, Acts 11, and now it's gonna get exported. Listen to this, quite a number of the Greeks believed and turned to the master. When the church in Jerusalem got wind of this, they sent Barnabas to Antioch to check on things. As soon as he arrived, he saw that God was behind and in it all He threw himself in with them, he got behind them, urging them to stay with it the rest of their lives. He was a good man in that way, enthusiastic and confident in the Holy Spirit's ways. So Barnabas, which you Bible guys know, means son of encouragement. If you didn't know that, now you do. Barnabas means son of encouragement. It was almost like a nickname that the other guys gave to him uh, on the team. It's just like, man, that guy, I love being around that guy. He's like, he's like a person of encouragement. So they named him Barnabas. They, it's like, you know, giving a nickname. Hey, Barney. Hey, encouraging man. And that's why the word just compliments him in that. He was a good man in that way. What way? The way of uh, encouraging people and getting in there with them. So let's make three simple observations. Uh, about how spirit-empowered men are on mission to raise the spirits of others. Number one, we sacrifice. We sacrifice. We say no to ourselves and we say yes to other people. We say no to self-importance and we say yes to the importance of other people. We say no to discouraging words. We say yes to encouraging words. Barnabas says, I'll go, they need encouragement. I'll go. Would we say the same right now? I think the Holy Spirit's saying, there's somebody around you that needs encouragement. Have you gone to see them yet? I know that there are neighbors that need you to show up and knock on their door and just say, how's it going? What do you need? I know that there are friends that you have been popping into your mind. You're like, I gotta get in touch with him. I gotta get in touch with him. You get in touch with them and you find a way to encourage them and lift them up. And at the very minimum, whenever that conversation ends, you say, Can I, can I just pray for you? Hey, let's let's finish with prayer. Can I just bless you and pray for you? I feel like I need to pray for you. Okay? Got it? We sacrifice. Number two, we see what God's doing. The Bible says, as soon as Barnabas arrived, he saw that God was behind it and in it all, right? And that's what disappointed and discouraged people sometimes are blind to, it's just like, hey, God's over this, God's loving, God's got a plan. And listen, you don't have a crystal ball either, but you know that there is God, that he's above it, that he's watching, that he cares for that person, and that he does have a plan. And even if it's something negative, I mean, even, shoot, terrible, right? May not feel like it at all, we can with confidence. Just say, God's hurting with you. God loves you. God's gonna bring you through it. Okay, but I loved how Barnabas got on the scene and he opened his eyes and he sees and senses God. And then it says, he he throws himself into it. And that's the third observation. We sacrifice, we see what God's doing. Number three, we support with real physical and spiritual energy. Listen to this line. He threw himself in with them. He got behind them, urging them to stay with it, belief in Jesus. For the rest of their lives, he was a good man that way. Enthusiastic and confident in the Holy Spirit's ways. Can you imagine? Okay, same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus, same Holy Spirit that was in Barnabas is the same Holy Spirit that's in us. Then what is the Holy Spirit calling us to do? To sacrifice, to see what God's doing in the lives of others, to see the spiritual battle, and to enter the fight for the mind, to discipline our words, to be timely, to activate faith to make some encouragement today, personal and intentional, in our city, in our block, in our community, in our town, in our village, wherever you find yourself, there's a battle. God wants to use you. Now, in closing, let me just say this. A lot is on the line on this one. A lot is on the line. You know who, who, who hates loneliness that disappointment and discouragement create in the heart? God does, he hates it. And if that's God and God is in you, is that you too? Do you see and sense loneliness? And does it does it boil your blood? Does it break your heart? Like it boils God's blood and it breaks his heart. The conditions that create loneliness, the, the things that happen that create disappointment and discouragement. Um, and you know that draws him in you know it actually kind of brings him to a spot you know because when you're you're full like God is he has the freedom to go and then when God fills us with his love and his grace and like I got you you're okay now you're full and you can get outside of yourself because you're full and not in deficit to go encourage and speak assurance and protect hope and sustain confidence now Just like God loves loneliness, guess who loves loneliness too? Satan, that's right. Satan loves the isolation and loneliness that disappointment and discouragement uh, create. It draws Satan to that spot too. So wherever you see discouragement and disappointment, just know it's not just God there and you, it's Satan and his forces. And so you're there to hedge and protect hope, faith, belief, confidence in the midst of the battle, right? And um, and prevent just the destruction that's going on there. So there's a lot on the line, guys, all around you. That's why we're doing this, this series called The City. We are going after cities here at Everyman Ministries. We're going after city blocks, communities, Doesn't matter what tribe you belong to. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Puerto Rican, Guamanian, Pacific Islander. I don't care. Asian. We're going after cities. Cities are diverse. Communities are diverse. And you know what cities need more than anything? They need an army and a wave of encouragement. Like I said, can you imagine if the encouragement quotient went from where it is in cities right now? And it's pretty bad. I mean... What's going on in Chicago? What's going on in Memphis? Um, what's going on with people who are so discouraged and got so disappointed and got so depressed and got so lonely and so vulnerable, they got exploited by the liar who said, it's fatal and final, go shoot a bunch of people. I mean, This is what we're talking about here, guys. There's a spiritual war going on for the communities and cities that, that we live in. And, and as individuals and as a collective, we're going after it. Sorry. There's 20 million Christian men in America. There's 700 million Christian men on the planet. And we need to be agents of the Holy Spirit and encouraging people. So for every brother who is struggling, I want to bless you for all who are struggling around this community, all the people, I'm gonna pray that you guys have eyes to see and that you'll address the insides of people. You won't swallow the outsides like everything's fine, the most abused word in the English language, and know that people are like icebergs. You only see the tip, inside, under the waterline, there's stuff, right? And 100% of the people in your life need encouragement, okay? So I'm going to pray right now, and I'm just going to ask God to do some things. Bow your heads with me wherever you are. Lord, I want to pray for every brother on the other end of my voice who's struggling right now. And Lord, together as a community of believing men, we call upon the name of Jesus right now to shoot out from heaven into those spaces and places where struggling men are battling discouragement and disappointment. Lord, and we declare courage and power and strength and faith and belief, Lord, to fall on that man right now. He's created by you. He's created for you. One day he's going to go to you, but between now and then he's going to defeat discouragement and enter into the life that you intended for him, one of courage and strength and power. So we declare courage and strength and power over Every brother, right now, receive it. Say, God, I I receive your encouragement right now. I receive your strength. I receive your power. I receive the living God, Jesus Christ. I receive the Holy Spirit. And now, God, I pray for all those who are struggling with disappointment and discouragement around every man listening to the sound of my voice. Lord, and we lift them up and we pray for open doors to enter the battle within them, to enter the battle of belief going on, truth versus lies, to enter the battle of the mind, and to be personal, God, and intentional with them, to be timely, to use words to build up, God, to say no to ourselves and to enter into moments and just sense what you're doing And why we are placed where we are, God, which is to have an impact, to be salt and light and a fragrance of Christ. And Lord, now I pray for cities, communities, blocks where we live. Oh, God, would you bring up the encouragement level in that city through spirit-filled and empowered men, just like you did in Jerusalem and just like you sent Barnabas to Greece Movements everywhere so that everyone knows someone who's dangerously good with encouragement, oh God. So Lord, we thank you for this commission in these times. We thank you for what you're going to do in cities and communities and and towns and blocks and neighborhoods and even rural places. You're going to fill us with your spirit. You're going to transform us and we're going to be overflowers of encouragement now and in the days to come, and forever in your presence. In Jesus' name I pray, and God's men said, amen. You see, guys, that's how we battle. you got to enter the battle, and we'll see you next time.